Your next gathering and power gathering is this Tuesday. Now, reminder, you guys are not meeting in the church during the summer times. There's actual events going on, and the sign-up sheet is still at guest services. Today's the last Sunday. It'll be up there, and so be sure to get details and get ready for your next event. I believe it involves coffee. Yes. So can I come? Yeah. Oh, no one wants to answer. Can I come? No. no. My wife said no. Straight no. Okay. Y'all ready for today? Yes. Great worship, great word, great time just to, to gather with each other. And reality is I'm ready for the second part of our message. But before we get started, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for today. Today's the day you made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it, Father. Lord, I pray that you will continue to be you, God. Uh, Lord, remind us you're not just a God to us, but you're our Father. You're our dad, Lord, that continues to lead us every day, that continues to show us your insight. And Father, like a good dad that you are, you whisper to us and you guide us. You never pressure us. You never try to persuade us to do something. You just simply give us truth and we have an option to obey, Father. And every day I pray, let us continue to obey your word. Let us continue to obey your truth and walk in your truth and live for your truth, Father God. Because we want to seek you first. So, Lord, this message, as we, as we wrap up this two-part series, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us in a personal way. Give us what we need today, because we're hungry for you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen, amen and amen. Well, like I said earlier, this is the second part of our two-part series of Wake Up Your Face! Some of y'all weren't ready for that. If you weren't here last week, that means you definitely weren't ready for that because it is a part two of wake up your face. <laughs> Steve's like, well, I can't hear you right now. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm having fun with it, obviously, but reality is we as a church have to understand how important it is to operate and exercise the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, if you didn't know that, I'm reminding you right now, you need to operate, you need to exercise it, because in faith needs to be uh, working in our lives to please God, according to Scripture. You know, and sometimes we can misunderstand what faith really is, but reality is this. It, in the Hebrews 11.1, 1, I don't have it up there, which I remind you guys, continue to go into your Bible. It gives us the biblical definition of pretty much this way, what you don't see, you believe, because God says so. You know, for instance, Who's accepted Jesus Christ in their life? Make some noise. Yeah. Woo, right? Who believes that he died for your sins on the cross? Yeah. Who believes that three days later he conquered death and is alive today? Yeah. And we simply believe because we heard the good news of the word of God. But have you physically seen that with your own two eyes? No. It requires your faith to see it. And that's so important. So the moment you say, yes, I believe, even though I didn't physically see it, but I heard, and I, and I believe that through the ministering of the Spirit of God, you are in faith and you're operating in faith. And that means you have faith in you. And it's, and it's towards and in Jesus Christ. You know, last week I simply said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we live by faith and not by sight. And so we went on this whole thing about faith needs to be operating and moving in our life. And if you want to catch up with last week, just go to rlchollin.com or go to our Facebook and you'll see the message there. But I want to continue on with part two of wake up your faith. You know, you can believe in Jesus, but not do anything for Jesus. 
You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, according to Scripture, they knew the Scripture, but they tried to do things under their own strength without believing what God had in Jesus Christ. And Jesus called them brood of vipers. And I love it because Jesus even goes the extra mile and says, just because you know the Word of God doesn't mean you're right. The demons even believe. But it's about believing with faith and exercising that faith in Jesus that you're able to be the church and do things that are impossible to the world. It becomes possible in your life. You know, faith needs to be stretched. Now, I have this rubber band. I was really aiming for this. I wanted you guys all to have rubber bands, but I'm like, ah, I couldn't get it. So anyways, I got this rubber band on my wrist because this is, I want you guys to have a simple reminder. So if you have a rubber band at home, put it around your wrist. But when you look at a rubber band, it's so useful when it's stretched, but when it's not stretched, it's useless. It does nothing. You know, I remember working, uh, my first, first job, I was uh, about 10, 11 years old. I worked for the Holland Sentinel. All right, any paper boys in here when you were younger? Make some noise. That's because I was delivering to your houses, that's why. You know, and here, here's the thing. I would have my bike. I would, I would put the bag on. I would throw the papers in there. And I mean, I'm weighed down and I'm just trying to get all the papers in one round, right? And I, it, it was before they did it early morning. It was actually after school I used to go and I used to deliver papers. But beforehand, I had to wrap the papers and it required rubber bands. And I used to get these uh, bags of rubber bands from the Holland Sentinel. And they used to um, have me roll up the papers. There's a certain way to do it. They would roll up the papers and I would just, you know, stretch that rubber band and put it on the paper and do my job. But there are times where I would take those rubber bands when I wasn't working and I'd make a weapon out of it. You know what I'm talking about, guys? And now I had a way. Everyone's hands went up. That's right. That's right. You know, and I... And, 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 <laughs> I, you know, and this, this, this rubber band, I could, I could do so much with it. I, I have little sisters. I'm the older brother. You can put things together now in your head. And so I would have fun with these rubber bands, okay, because I understood a rubber band that's just sitting there is useless and not fun. But the moment I put it into its maximum stretch, I am able to do anything with it. I can do my job with it. I can have fun with it, anything with it. And in a sense, faith is the same way. Faith is the same way. If you carry rubber bands on your wrist, let that be a reminder to you then. That faith needs to be stretched. It needs to be stretched because in faith, that's where God is at and what he wants you to speak. I love what Jose was saying. A lot of it is through your word. You're speaking things out. You're stretching that checkbook, believing that God's going to do something. Or you're stretching this time to get with God. Or you're believing for this. And there are these stretched moments that you have. You know, there is a maximum that, that this rubber band can go. Beyond that, it probably would pop, but I won't allow it to because I know how far it can go. And I believe God's the same way. He would stretch us to this maximum, but not, not allow you to pop or crack, in other words. That he says, I'm going to give you just enough to stretch so you can grow as you continue to go in this life. Remember, the rubber band is useless when it's not stretched. But, but when it is stretched, it is useful for whatever you want to do. God requires you to stretch. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, where the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, Okay, I'll quickly give you the story. But there's this prophet Elisha, and he meets this woman whose desire is to have a child. 
That's all. And she lost hope in all her things because her, her husband was too old already. And Elisha said, one year from now, you will have a child, and it would be a boy. And I love what the lady says. She goes to Elisha and says, don't say that to me. Don't get my hopes up, and then it all falls apart, and it doesn't happen. I can't bear that. Who's ever felt that before? You don't want to get excited because your hopes go up because you're just not sure. If it, if it doesn't happen, it's going to devastate you. And so she was in this lack of faith of, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. But the Bible says one year later, what Elisha prophesied, what Elisha spoke, it happened, and she had a child. She had a child. So Elisha had to speak this, and, and, and she had to exercise and believe that with her faith. But we're going to fast forward a little bit, okay? Years later, this boy dies at a young age. This boy dies, and she goes out and gets the prophet Elisha to tell him the news. Elisha runs back, and he sees the boy dead. And the lady looks at Elisha and says, didn't I tell you? not to get my hopes up, not to tell me something, and, and, and it all went wrong. Have we ever been in a position like that where we think it's just dead? You know, we, 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 we do these things, we're in, a, we're in a good position, but it's just dead. But remember, when we are at our maximum stretch, God does his miracle. And check out what happens in this verse. It says this in 2 Kings 4, 34 and 35. Then he got on the bed because the boy's laying dead on the bed. And this is Elijah. Elijah got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, uh, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, as he stretched. Everyone say stretched. As he stretched himself out on him. And the boy's body grew warm. Okay, let's pause for a second. He sees this dead boy because Elisha says, no, 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 no. My God is faithful. My God is just. And in the natural, what you see, it's not final. Let me do something here. And Elijah had to stretch his body out over this boy, mouth to mouth, hands to hands, uh, face to face, all there. And it says because he did that, the body of the boy grew warm. Now, the body hasn't come back to life. It just grew warm. Sometimes we can have our faith and we believe, but we only see half of it. And God says it's not over. Now let's go to the next verse. Verse 35. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. And I love that. He's pacing. He's, he's asking God, what's next? What do we do? What do you want me to do? As he's walking back and forth, it says this. And then he got on the bed and stretched. Everyone say stretched. He stretched out on him once more. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. I love those sneezes. A two, a two, a two, a two. Yeah, I love those guys. And that's what happened. And when you continue on the story, the boy was given back to the mother, and she, her faith was still in, in God himself, the Lord Almighty. This is my whole point of what I'm trying to say, okay? Faith has to be stretched in this life, but you just need to go for it. You see, a lot of times we tend to stay in a position of where we're just not going to stretch because I'm comfortable. But God is saying this in our life. You need to stretch so you can catch the next opportunity that God has for you. We pray for opportunities. Lord, open the door. Grant me this. Grant me that. But we decide not to stretch ourselves in faith in him. You know, you look at the story of, of one of the disciples who had to stretch his faith in Jesus the moment Jesus says, get out of the boat and walk on water. The get out of the boat and walk. And the moment he took those steps, that's when the miracle happened. 
And God is saying, you want to catch that opportunity? You want, to, you want God to do something in your life? Then stretch your faith. Stretch your faith so you can catch my miracle happening in your life. In the moment of stress, in the moment of discomfort, we need to allow God to be God in the stretch of it all. But the big question is this. How do I know I'm stretching my faith? How do I know I am operating in my faith? And I'm going to give you an answer that you probably don't want to hear. But it's truth. And the answer is this. It's in your vulnerable moments you can indicate that you are operating, operating in your faith and you're stretching your faith. How does that look? It's simple, okay? When, someone, when you're operating and you're stretching your faith in life and you're being criticized, okay, you're being criticized for what you're doing. Even yourself. How many of y'all know we're our own worst critics most of the times? We tend to down talk ourselves. Well, I can't really do this. I can't really do that. When we criticize ourselves, when we, it's an indicator that we're probably doing something that we think we can't do, which you can't on your own, but you are doing it anyways. For instance, if I can give you a testimony, I never signed up for this. Did you know one of the things I would tell my family and my friends is I will never speak in front of people. And just, I'll, I'll do things behind the scenes. I'll be faithful. I'll be a good steward. I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with just only the kids because I want to be a kid too. You know, I want to be a kid forever. You know, and I always wanted to be behind the scenes, and I was committed, and I, I, am, I was faithful to that. And when, when opportunities would come, hey, would you speak here? Would you speak there? I would say, no, no, I, I don't want to. But God was wanting me to stretch, and during my prayer time alone, I would, like a rubber band, he would do this to me, and I would feel it. How many of y'all feel it when God says something? <laughs> I'm going to get off my, my notes for a second. How many of y'all... Won't ask God or tell God anything because you know he probably would make you do something else that you're not <laughs> wanting to go in. I I'm being honest. You know, you're, you, you, you kind of play with the water. You know, okay, God's, God's going to draw me to deeper waters, but I'm going to stay right here on the shore where my feet are just wet. And I'm just going to pretend God is not calling me. And I won't pray about that, but I'm going to tell them, hey, you should pray about this because I think there's a need over there. Because you know the moment you open your mouth, God's going to say, come, get out of your boat. Come on, get out of your boat. I need you to, I need you to do this. There's a song, uh, I forgot the tune and I won't sing because I'm just not a singer. But here's the thing. It's Matthew West where he says, you know, I shake my fist at you, you know, and why won't this happen? And it's the whole, the whole concept of that song is this. God says, that's the reason I made you. That's the reason why I sent you. So you can go do something. Am I talking to anybody here? Yes. Think about it for a second. If you're that person, if you're that person that, that, that won't pray those things out because you feel like, well, then I'm going to get sent by God, you're missing out on the good stuff and the big miracles that God has for your life. I'm telling you, when I ran from it, and I'm just going to be honest, when I ran from it, God reminded me every day that I have something big for you to do, but you need to stretch that faith. We're so used to comfort. I mean, come on. First thing we're going to do when we leave this, this church is we're going to find the AC wherever it's at, and we're going to sit in that AC. I know I am. 
Because we're always trying to find comfort in what we do. You know, or maybe we're, we're going to try to find the things that comfort us. That's just a, a human nature that we have. But God is saying we need to get out of that human nature. We need to rely on the spiritual realm of things, the things I've equipped you with, so you can be stretched and do something in your life. And let me tell you something. If you're doing something for God and someone's criticizing you on how you're doing it, don't worry about that because you're doing something for God. You know, Paul was being criticized. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he was criticized for how he spoke to the churches. He was an apostle, which means he was sent to oversee all these churches. And I just learned these churches weren't 100 or 200 people. The minimal one was about five, or sorry, 50,000 people. And he was, he was uh, uh, fathering and writing these letters and serving these people so they can continue to lead. And in 1 Corinthians, I love what he said. He says, because he's being criticized, he says, I didn't, I'm not here with elegant speech or persuasive words. I'm not here to make myself look good and present it just the way the world wants me to present it. I'm simply here to demonstrate the power of the Spirit of God. Which means he probably was getting criticized for how he was talking because he didn't have the education. He did not have the education. And a lot of times we tend to disqualify ourselves or critique ourselves. And so we don't allow the power of God to do the rest. Or maybe somebody critiques you and it tries to deflate you. And this is how you defeat that. This is how you defeat criticisms. You outlive your critics. That's it. You keep moving. You don't have to worry about it. You just go forward because the opinions of people does not matter. It's the opinion of God that matters and is final in your life. It's final in your life. And that's how you move forward. Sometimes we feel like we have to fix everybody. You are not called to fix people. You're not fix it Felix, okay? <laughs> what you are is you're called to love people. You're, you're here to love on them no matter what. Forgive them and let it go and move forward. My, my pastor in Bible school, he used to always tell me, be, he had a heavy accent. I won't do it because that's kind of mean. But he would, he would always say, be like a duck in the water, where when they put their head in the water and they come out, the water just runs right off of the back of their feathers. And, you know, when, when, when things come at you, you got to let it go and not hold on to it and not hold it against them either. God will deal with them. You pray for them. But that is, a, that is one indicator that shows you're stretching your faith. It's typically when the critics start rising up on how you're doing it for God. And when you get to that position, you realize, you know what? I'm going to keep moving forward. The second vulnerable moment is discouragement. How do I know I'm, my faith is being stretched? Well, maybe there are things that are discouraging you out of nowhere now. You're living for God. Have you ever been in a prayer with God and it's the discouraging moments or seasons that you're in and you're looking at everybody else and you're like, man, how come they got it all good and it's not for and God? And I'm living for you. I'm doing this for you. And so we get into this pity party with God and discouragement rises up. You know, I remember being in the season in my ministry walk in leadership and being discouraged for a short season, being so discouraged in, in what I was doing to the point where I just wanted to quit until another leader came in my life and says, you don't quit. You know how to defeat discouragement is by encouraging somebody else. He's like, you encourage other people, that will bring fulfillment in your life and it will make you keep going and you just pray and forgive, pray and forgive, pray and forgive every single day. And when I started exercising, because here's my faith at that moment, was this. 
And I'm like, God, I'm going to pop any second now. I'm going to pop any minute now. I'm just done with this. I'm, I don't like coming home discouraged anymore. And I love it because my, my God used my wife to speak life and then use this other leader person in my life to just say, hey, keep encouraging people. And every day I'm like, you got this, you got this, you got this, even though I wasn't getting it. And let me tell you something, that season didn't last long because the fulfillment of encouraging others, the calling of, of encouraging other people was fulfilling me to the point was I'm willing, I was willing to say, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God. That's it. And so discouragement, the way you defeat discouragement is by simply keeping on encouraging others that are doing the works of God. And God will take care of the rest. You have, if you have to forgive and keep moving forward, you forgive and you keep moving forward. God works in the stretch, not in the comfort zone. I'll say that again. God works in the stretch of your life and not in the comfort zone. When we begin to stretch in faith, when we begin to stretch in, in, in praises, when we begin to stretch in worship, problems start fading away. Who's in the stretch right now? Make some noise. It's not exciting, but who's in the stretch right now? Make some noise. Maybe you're facing things, and let me tell you something. I have one-on-one -on -one conversations with a lot of you guys, and I absolutely love it. But if you pay attention to my words, whatever scenario you're in, I'm making sure you guys know there is still hope in your life. There is still, there is still something big in your life that your days ahead of you are still bright, that these circumstances that you're in is only temporary, and God's saying, stretch the faith right now and let me do my miracle in your life. You know, uh, Mary... Uh, Jesus' mom, Mary, she, uh, she carried the Savior. She knew the calling. You know, she knew that that was the, the, the moment that Jesus was in her belly, that he's the Savior of the world, and that I'm going to accept him as my Lord and Savior as well, too. You know, I love what Jose says, even though he's older than me, I'm the spiritual father, and sometimes I can mess with the minds, and I thank God for, for him honoring me in that way. Uh, but reality is, age are just a number, and older people say amen. amen. <laughs> okay, it's just, you know, <laughs> And it doesn't make me more superior than Jose. It doesn't. We're still both brothers in Christ and children in Christ. It just shows how God's kingdom operates. And, and, and so Mary is in that position. This, I'm his mother, but there's going to be a point where he's my savior. And so she, she understands the calling of, of baby Jesus uh, in, in his life that he's going to save my, for me from my sins. And from what I got, she's got to accept him as Lord and Savior as well, too. And so there's a position where, where, where Mary is, is, is at the point of, of, okay, I'm raising this boy, now he's a man, and, and he's still going to be the savior of the world, but he hasn't done any miracles yet. And so Mary faces, uh, not, what's a, not a situation, she faces a small little hiccup in this uh, wedding banquet that they're at. And they're all hanging out, and Jesus is an adult here. They're, we ran out of supplies, well, you got to do something now. And I love what Jesus says, which you don't ever say this to your mom because I said it one time and she was not happy. Woman, it's not my time. <laughs> you don't say that to your mom. <laughs> you got to remember, cultures were different. Cultures are different at the time. It wasn't a disrespect. But I, at one time I said that to my woman. It's not my, what you say to me? I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but but he, here's the thing. He, Mary says to Jesus, we have a little issue here. I need you to do something now. And Jesus looks at his mom and says, Mom, it's not, it's not my time yet. And I love the next verse. 
Because in John chapter 2, verse 5, Mary looks at the disciples and it says this. His mother said to the servants, who are the disciples, whatever he says to do, whatever he says to you, do it. And then walks away. Have you ever had a mom who tells you one time and walks away? And you knew, like, oh, man, she, she meant business. She meant business. Because Mary had an understanding that Jesus is going to do something in this whole scenario. Jesus is going to do something through the disciples, and Jesus was going to make the difference in this situation right here, right now. Now, maybe it wasn't an extreme problem, but there was a miracle that needed to happen. But it required the disciples to listen and to stretch their faith and do exactly what Jesus said to do. And even though Jesus said to the mama, it's not my time, he honored her and he still did it. And if you read the passage, if you read the story, his first miracle happened. And mom's faith was in him already. And even though she was being stretched left and right, because most likely she was probably helping out at this wedding banquet, she was stretched to the point she just looked to her own savior. Jesus says, he'll help me out on this one. And he'll do it. There are times in life where we're stretched and, 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 and things need to be changed. Uh, scenarios, atmosphere need to be changed. But we try to fix it ourselves. And Jesus say, hey, look to me. I will help you through this whole thing. But what stops us, church, what stops us from stretching our faith, and this is the punch that I'm trying to get to, is this. Fear. Fear. You know, last week I talked a little bit about how fear and faith, they just don't go hand in hand. They don't work. They don't operate together. But I want to go a, little, a step further on fear. Fear is also a, a tool that the enemy uses to paralyze people. You know, it, fear is a weapon, one of the weapons that the enemy's trying to use against us when we allow him to. Fear, when you allow fear to take a hold of you, cripples you, and it stops you in your tracks. You see, faith is on the go. Faith is moving. Faith is stretching. Faith is, faith is speaking. But the moment you, you start looking and acknowledging what you see in the natural, fear starts creeping in, and your faith starts going down. And you realize, and, and, and even in the stretch, you start doing this to your own faith. And you decide not to stretch anymore. And so we have to have certain uh, um, things and, and attitudes in our lives when we have it. You have to understand that when we stretch the faith, if you think about it, Moses stretched his staff in the Bible and miracles happened. You look at, you look at Jesus who, the, who told the man who had a crippled hand, stretch your hand. Stretch your hand, stretch your hand. And the man had a choice to make. He could have just said, I'm good. This is how I am. I accept it. I accept who I am. I was, I was like this since birth. This is who I am. Or he could have just said, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And he chose to listen to Jesus. And the miracle goes on. He stretched his hand. And it became whole again. And I think the biggest stretch of them all, the biggest stretch, is when Jesus stretched his arms Come on. Jesus stretched his arms for you and for me. Because he knows there's a big miracle that's going to happen in this thing. And this miracle is this. Mankind is going to be restored and given back to God. Don't allow fear, church, to cripple you or stop you in your place. 
Fear has been triumphed. You know, I, I, it's not a, a thing that I teach all the time, but it, it was a good, good tool that I had when I first learned about this. But when you put fear as an acronym, it's really false evidence appearing real. And I kept that in my head for many years until I realized, oh, yeah, fear has nothing on me anymore. And it, become, it became so uh, natural to me now that when I, when I feel fear, I don't let it phase me anymore. When I feel the fear in my life, I realize, oh, i got to speak against this for it to be conquered. Because if I just let it sit there, it's just going to grow in me. And before you know it, I will not move. And I don't want to do that. I shared that story a couple weeks ago about my, my daughter in the pool. You know, and we had a good laugh about it. But reality is, as parents, we, we have concerns and we can allow these fears to rise up in us and, and, and we don't do nothing or we don't allow our kids to learn and grow. And there are times where our kids have to take a stumble in life so they can get back up and learn to get back up. There's no difference in our faith with Jesus. We might have some bump heads, but the Bible promises us we won't be destroyed. That the hope is you get back up. You get back up again. Think about where you're at right now. Maybe you're facing something. You feel like, man, I'm rock bottom right now. I am, I am out. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I, I, I don't know how to get back up. Well, let me tell you something. The only way to do something is now to look up. And when you look up, that's where God gets to do his miracle in, in his life. I have a cousin of mine. Um, a lot older than me. I mean, I really call him an uncle when I see him. Uh, but he shared a story with me when I was in kindergarten. That's how impactful it was because I have not forgotten a story. And I won't give you the whole thing, but I'll give you what you need to know. But he was making some bad, poor decisions in his life, hanging with the wrong crown. This is probably in the uh, early 70s, you know, and he was making some decisions in his life. He decided to go out on his own, and, this, and he was just got out of the bar and, and shouldn't have been on the road. Well, he ends up hearing God multiple times before that where God was calling him to get out of the mess that he's in. Like, I called you for, for brighter days, but he would not listen. So one day he gets out of the bar and he drives in Holland, and I think it was more on the north side where it was more countryish out there, and he crashes into a, a truck full of uh, manure, and it wasn't just a fender bender. It was like a totaled car, flipped over everything. And he landed in the manure and was buried in the manure. And to a point where uh, um, the rescue teams, all of them, they had to get him out because he couldn't move. He was out. He was knocked out. And he says, the only thing I remember is this, Jesse. He says, I remember waking up in the hospital and hearing God saying, I told you to get out of the mess that you're in. He was like, he had said this, the manure was so bad, it was embedded in him, that it was in his eyes, in his ears, in his throat, in his, in his fingernails. He said, I was just embedded. And I know it's kind of a gross thing, and I'm not trying to make it a gross thing. I'm trying to show you guys a point here. He had said, I was so embedded with this, and, I, and I'm going to say the word, I was so embedded with this crap. He's like, that God spoke to me, he says, I need you to wake up. He says, because all the crap you've been seeing, all the crap you've been hearing, all the crap that you've been doing, he says, you need to know this is not for you. And he said he was, he was paralyzed at the moment. He just couldn't move because he was in pain, not paralyzed uh, forever, but it was more of like, I just can't move. He says, and the only position he was uh, at was looking up. And God says, the only position, the only thing you can do now is go forward from here on out. And that was the moment he accepted Jesus truly as Lord and Savior. 
truly accepted him to the point of where he flipped his life around. He ministered to me at a kindergarten age and really implanted a lot of word in me and still serving Jesus today. I share that is because there was a moment in his life where he wouldn't allow to stretch his faith when he still believed in God. Where are you at? My encouragement is this. Where are you where God wants you to stretch, but you're choosing not to stretch because you want to do your own thing? Or maybe you're in a fear of what God has for you. And I'm going to give you three attitudes. I'll close it with this, with the three attitudes that you need to have in faith. And the first one is this. When you stretch your faith, when you're in faith, the first attitude you need to have is faith that won't stop moving. It can't stop moving. You don't want a stagnant faith. You don't want a faith that doesn't do much. You want, you want faith that's going to keep moving no matter how it looks or what people say, but you know that God's word is final. Keep faith moving in your life. The second attitude is this. Have faith that won't let go. You know, when a dog, <laughs> I was playing with my, my brother-in-law's dog the other day. His name is Bruce, and he is a half husky, half German shepherd, and that, that dog is a beast, okay? And one of his favorite games, it's a younger dog, too. One of his favorite games is uh, he has this long toy that he holds on the end, and I'll hold on the other, and it's like a tug-of-war deal. And I told my brother-in-law, I said, I don't want to pull his teeth out, you know, you know. <laughs> you guys didn't get it, okay, whatever, <laughs> And he said, no, no, don't worry about it, man. Bruce loves that game. And I said, okay. And I grabbed that other end. I said, all right, Bruce, you've met your match. And I tugged that, and Bruce boom, just brought it back. And I love it because he was playing with me. You know, he's, I'm pulling, I'm thinking I'm winning, and then one big tug all the way back over here. Okay, and I went at it probably with five good minutes. I mean, it exhausted. I was sweating, but I was determined to take this thing out of his mouth. And he was determined for me to let it go. And I mean, we went back and forth, and Bruce was just pulling and pulling and pulling to the point where I finally, like, forget it, my hand, ah, you know, that whole deal. And Bruce had that thing in his mouth, and he didn't let it go. You know, it, it, it's a little playtime with the dog, but it's so much meaning behind it because God's saying, I need you to have faith like that, where when people are trying to pull it away from you, or the enemy's trying to pull it away from me. You say, I'm not letting this thing go. Well, you know, or there's reminders of what it looks like. And he said, I don't care. My faith doesn't live by sight, but I live by every living word of God, and I won't let it go. It's an attitude you need to have. If there's anything, just remember the attitude of faith and what you need to have. Don't let it go. Well, you don't understand the things that I've gone through and, and what it looks like and everything I prayed didn't happen. Don't let your faith go. Wake it up and keep pulling on it and let it stretch in your life so God can continue to do the miracle. So he can continue to do the miracle in your life. Maybe it didn't go according to the way you wanted it or what your plan was or how you saw it. But God is bigger. God sees the grand scheme of it all. And God is faithful. And he's saying, just trust me, trust me, trust me. And I will take you through the other side. Don't let go of your faith in Christ. Allow it to move in your life. And the third attitude is this. So the first one was faith that won't stop moving, faith that won't let go. And the third one is this, faith that follows the leader. Simple, faith that follows the leader. And I'm not talking about any leader. I'm talking about King Jesus, the leader of our life, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, name above all names. When you allow your faith to follow that lead, you're going to be doing some impossible things, guaranteed. 
You know, I shared, again, this testimony of my grandmother who passed away two years ago, but then came back to life again. You know, and I want to let you guys know the story didn't stop there. And let me tell you something. I felt fear creep, creeping up in my life, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to accept what I see. But this faith that wouldn't let go and that kept moving said, no, this doesn't make sense to me. God, you have something bigger. And I grabbed her hand, and I just declared the living word of God, and her heartbeat came back. And it's still living today. A small story in my life. There are things that God wants to resurrect back in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage right now. And you're feeling like there's no pulse in this thing. It's dead. It's gone. What do I do from here? Speak. Don't let go of the faith that God has for you. Continue to move it. Continue to let God be God in your life in that area. So the miracle can happen in your life. If you're willing. If you're willing. Faith needs to be woken up in the church. Don't follow the patterns of what and the customs of this culture and what God is, or what the world says we should be doing. Faith is going beyond that and saying, I'm going to be a light to this culture so their culture can change for the kingdom of God. Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. VeggieTales will say Rad, uh, uh, Rakshak and Benny. There you go. Three men who were in a culture and in the same patterns of everybody, but honored God more. They honored the king, but they wanted to stay obedient to God. And they had an opposition. They actually had a fork in the road, and they didn't know what to do. And it required life or death. King says, worship me, bow down to me. And they said, no, we won't do so. Their very lives were threatened. If you don't bow down to me, I will throw you in that furnace to die. How many of y'all know that's, that's tough to face? But their faith was being stretched at that moment. And in that stretch, they looked to God and they said, we will not stop serving and bowing down to you, God. We will not. We will honor him as a king and his authority, but we will not worship him because he is not our eternal king. And so they decided not to do so. In the natural, everything's going bad and they get thrown in the furnace. But in the stretch, everyone say stretch. In the stretch of their faith, when everyone said, ha ha, it's over for those boys, a fourth person was inside the furnace. And people, scholars will talk about who it was. I just believe it was the Spirit of God. It was Jesus. And it says, they walked out of the fire with not a scratch or a burn on them. Not even ashes, nothing. They walked out. Because in the stretch, they said, no, my God is a miraculous God. Stretch. It's not a bad thing. Stretch your faith. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. It's okay if it's hot. It's okay if it looks pretty difficult. Because better that position than a position where, where it's just comfortable and nothing happens. God's saying, stretch for my kingdom stretch some of y'all don't want to pray about God send me somewhere because you feel like he's going to send me somewhere across seas or he's going to send me to another country trust me God will if you pray those things that are in your heart that he's dropped in your heart God will give you exactly the desires that you need for those seasons in your life everyone say stretch Father I thank you right now Lord for every single one of these people here Lord, as we wrapped up this two-part series of, of Wake Up Your Faith, Father, 
Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we will look to seek the stretched moments, Father, that we won't pity party about uh, why am I going through this, but we will see, God, what are you doing through this? Why we're walking through this so that your miracle can happen, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, your will be done, Lord. I thank you that you're moving in every single one of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Now, here's an invite. I don't want to leave without an invite. Your faith can't really be exercised or activated until you accept Jesus in your heart. And I'm not saying you know of Jesus and you know that he died and you know that he rose from the grave. I'm talking about a genuine relationship with him. Having that relationship in your, in your life with him. Getting to know who he is so he can tell you who you are in him. And this invitation, the Bible says it's simple. If you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you are adopted in the family of God. You can, can live out this faith life because he's called you to be faith people. Now, if that is you, I simply just want to lead you in a prayer. You're saying, I just want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to start to get to know who he is. And there are steps we want to walk through with you guys. On the count of three, that's you. Just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? This is your time. Awesome. You guys can put your hands down. God bless you over there. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. It's your time, by the way. God sees and knows your heart. And he knows exactly what you need. And if you just simply say yes to him, don't worry about what anybody else is saying. Don't worry about what people think. It's not about their opinions. Remember, critics. Remember, critics. Okay? It's about you and him right now. And he, if you just generally say yes to him, he's going to put his spirit in your heart. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Church, we got some decision making in here. And it's amazing. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this as a family with them. Put your hand over your heart and just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for the mission that Jesus had. My faith is in him right now. I believe Jesus died for me, that all my sins are wiped away. I believe that he conquered grave and that he's living today. So Lord, forgive me. I am sorry. Holy Spirit, live in my heart. Renew my life. Make me brand new today. Jesus, you are my King. You are my Lord. And I thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all celebrate by saying,